Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. Miles, one year ago, we did the very first episode of the Door County Pulse podcast, and it was on the sustainability issue. Then we're back and people are still listening, which is awesome. Right. Uh, I took a minute to go back and listen to that first episode, and the first thing that jumped out at me was that uh, I it must was terrible. No, I must have just been lethargic or something because the intro that I normally fly through in a couple of seconds, I was like, hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. And it was like, somebody wake Andrew up. He's got to do a show. Or were you going for romance or something in the early episodes? I think I had just listened to a bunch of NPR and was like, this is how to do it. And then I came out and I was like, hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. (laughs) I'm glad that evolved. Right. So this week we want to talk sustainability. And why don't we go back and just briefly kind of talk about the sustainability issue, how to get started, and why do we do it every year? Uh, Sustainability issue started, this will be our 13th year doing it. It really started when uh, I was commuting back and forth to school at UWGB while I was bartending and coaching and writing for The Pulse. And uh, I was taking a class, a sustainable development class, with uh, Larry Smith, who's actually a Door County resident who is a professor at UWGB, or was a professor at UWGB at the time. And I was just reading so much stuff that was uh, really intriguing about building sustainable homes and designing sustainable communities. And uh, in having a conversation with Dave Elliott one day about these these books I was reading and classes I was taking, uh, he he said, "Let's we should just do a whole issue dedicated to this. Rather than do, you know, different publications up here have done things like progress editions and kind of like business updates and kind of rah-rah development type things. We wanted to be, okay, let's let's do that, but let's also talk about it in a way that isn't going to ruin what we love about this place. So not just promoting development, but let's promote the idea of developing it in a way that preserves the best parts of Door County. So each year, under the umbrella of sustainability, do we focus on different topics? Yeah, so we early on it was uh, a bunch of different ideas, uh, and it became a much bigger project than I initially thought it was going to be. And as I continue to do every year, I kind of slaughter my brain by taking on this project and probably tick off other people in the office by making it a very difficult project to pull off. But over the first few years, there was so much ground to cover. It That was a time when, you know, to talk about green issues was still kind of a big deal anyway. It was before a lot of other magazines started putting out the green issue kind of thing that everyone was started doing. We weren't we weren't the first, but we were probably in the first wave of this. And so we had a lot of ground to cover. So we could talk about a lot of different things. But after a couple of years, I got to a point where I I didn't I didn't want to go so broad. I was like, let's hone this in a little bit and really tackle with a lot of different writers and articles. Let's really hone in on a single issue. So one year we did like three big ideas. 
uh, that could really change Door County. And it proposed, like, what would it take to take Door County off the grid? How much solar power, wind power would we have to produce to do that? Another year, we focused on several different times. We focused on water issues, groundwater issues, water quality issues, uh, water levels when they were way down a few years ago. So, yeah, we've, we've chipped away at a lot of different topics. And it's kind of fun because each week of The Pulse, we're taking on the news of 19 different municipalities, arts, entertainment, culture, literature. It's hard to really dial in on any single place. So it's nice once a year to to hone in on one topic and just dig at it from all angles. So this year, the focus is on housing. And to me, that's kind of at the heart of sustainability in general, because when you talk about water and water quality and stuff, that's one side of it. But the other thing to consider, too, is with without housing, we can't sustain because we don't have people here. Like when you think of Door County as as a destination, the, the people who live here are the people who are providing that destination. So without places for those people to live, Door County doesn't have anything anymore. Yeah, I mean, you've seen it in the last couple of years. There are restaurants that simply aren't open as many days or as, or as many hours as they would like to be because they can't find enough help. And they can't find enough help because there's nowhere for that help to live without making a lot more money than they can afford to pay in, in the service industry. Uh, and that goes not just restaurants. You're, talk, you, you're hearing similar complaints from hotels, plumbers, tradesmen, everybody in that working class or trying to employ people in that working class is struggling to find those employees. Even here at The Pulse, we, we do have to evaluate interns and uh, job applicants based on like the likelihood they're going to be able to live here. You know, we've lost out on several applicants that we, we sent offers to. And once they started digging around housing, they just realized they weren't going to be able to make it work. So those are really talented people that once, once we get our claws in them, we might be able to keep them here. Well, and that's the thing, too. It almost seems like over the last couple of years, the help wanted sign has become a permanent fixture in most of the businesses up here. It's not something that just we're hiring seasonally. It's like we need people year round because we don't have the people who actually are living here. Just check out the classified section of the Pulse in any given week all year long. Dead of winter, you will see two pages full of help wanted ads. Some of those are for housekeepers and uh, kind of blue collar service industry jobs. A lot of them are for high paying jobs. It's stuff that's paying well over $15 an hour, more than twice the minimum wage. But And some of these jobs with great benefits, but there's there's nowhere to find these employees. And then if you do find them, it's really hard for them to find a place to live. Right. The housing situation is is kind of at the core of a lot of different topics that, that we might discuss. But I, I think the easiest way to probably start broaching this is this year, the DC EDC put out a study on housing. And when that was, was finally delivered, there was kind of a, a lot of pushback about like, well, yeah, you didn't need a study to tell us that there's a housing issue in Door County. But What's the importance of this of the study? What did it actually set out to do? Well, th- what they were trying to do was really quantify and target where that housing is needed and then also identify some of the ideas for um, kind of breaking through the wall and actually doing something about it and kind of looking at what has been tried in the past. I had a similar reaction when they first started talking about a housing study like, really, you're going to study this again? Let's just do something. Let's take all that time and let's just build a house or something. But at once I saw the study, I did see, like, I think that's there's some merit to doing this. If, you know, at its heart, it, it spurs a conversation. It gets a bunch of people in a room. I was at a, um, a housing summit when it was when they first released the report. 
and you had probably 50 different people from a lot of different walks of of the housing uh, life cycle here. You had municipal leaders, zoning officials, people in nonprofits who are trying to help people get loans. You had some bankers, a lot of different people in that room talking about housing. There weren't a lot of builders in that room, but I'm actually on a committee now that is working to get a meeting of different builders together to start talking about, okay, here's the hurdles we face. Here are the things that we think could be walls that could be broken down that would allow us to build more affordably, whether it be zoning issues, regulatory issues, sewer and water issues, things like that. Well, and the the other part of it that you mentioned was that it it serves to quantify the issue. So it, it, it wasn't to set out to discover if there was a housing crisis in Door County or not. It was to actually put numbers to it and to set a precedent for any sort of uh, projects moving forward. You can physically take this study and put it in front of builders and say, this is why we need what we need. Yeah, and most of us live in silos. So if we're living in Bailey's Harbor, we see the problem within like the Bailey's Harbor, Egg Harbor, Jacksonport kind of region. If you're in Sister Bay, you're looking at it solely from what's available or not available in Sister Bay. Same thing in Sturgeon Bay. But Door County, this did a really nice job of trying to take, lay out the groundwork for all, for all of it because Sturgeon Bay needs a lot of housing. Most people in Northern Door think it's like a Northern Door problem. There's not a lot of cheap housing in Sturgeon Bay either. Southern Door, they don't have as much of a demand. You have a little bit easier access to, say, Green Bay or Kiwani County to look for housing, which is a viable solution. And also property in Southern Door is a lot cheaper. You can build a pretty nice big house for a fraction of what you can in Northern Door. But this broke it down by region to say, I, I think off the top of my head, I might have this slightly wrong, but I think it broke it down to about 300 uh, some apartments needed in the Sturgeon Bay area and about 150 needed in the Northern Door area. I could quibble with those numbers and say they should be more or less, but it identifies a lot of housing that's needed. Well, the other thing that it does too is it breaks down the affordability issue as well. So it would be one thing to add a hundred more options for people up here in Northern Door, uh, but what price point are those going to be at? Because that's another part of it. If you're looking for an apartment in Northern Door or Southern Door or Surgeon Bay, the cost to rent monthly is is much higher than, than what you'd be trying to target for, say, uh, a young family, which would be something that, you know, we need to keep bringing in in order to continue on. Right. You... When I, I was living in Chicago for six years, um, at one point I was paying, when I first moved down there, got the cheapest place I could find on the far northwest side of the city and paid about $780 a month for a studio apartment. That was the cheapest I could find in a neighborhood that wasn't totally sketchy. <laughs> um, over time, I, you know, at, at the end, working, my wife and I both worked from home. We rented a larger place with, because we both needed home offices, but we were paying almost $1,800 a month. And so once we moved to Door County, you start to get in the mindset of like, oh, this housing isn't that bad. And maybe for us or people of a certain income level, you know, $1,100, $1,200 a month doesn't seem that bad, especially after you come from an urban area. But if you make the median household income in Door County of about $54,000, and that's not, not per individual, that's for the household. So the husband and wife and, or any, any couple or any combination of family members, that's the median household income. By, by the simple rules of saying, like, you should be spending about 30% or less of your income on housing costs, that says you should be able to afford about $1,250 to $1,275 a month on either rent or mortgage and associated costs. But as Chris Luce from the uh, Lakeshore Cap organization put it, that is if you have car payment, no student loan debt, no major medical expenses, no childcare expenses. 
So when you start adding those factors in and just like a modest car payment, a typical student loan payment, and maybe like even 25 bucks a month for prescription medicine or something, you're starting to get under about 650 to $600 a month. And that's still putting it at about 28% of your income. That's not even getting a deal on housing. That's like the level that the housing and urban development says is affordable. And that just does, that apartment doesn't exist. There are right. about 200 apartments under construction in Door County or recently brought to the market. None of them are in that price range. Well, and that's, I think that we should, we should jump back on that one more time because it's hard for anybody to find housing up in Door County, but the, the key demographic for a myriad of different reasons would be young families. So you're looking at people in the, you know, under 35 range with children. I would say- Thanks, major- for, thanks for keeping me out of that. You're already nice here, <laughs> so we've, we fixed your problem. Um, you, you've got this, this demographic of people who are going to have childcare payments, who a majority of which are going to have student loan debt of some type. Medical payments are going to be in there as well. So you've already got, and plus when you're in Door County, you need a car for the most part. Unless you get a place right next to where you work, you're going to have to drive everywhere to get- you know, to where you're trying to get to. The only time I didn't need a car in Door County was when I ran a bar and my house was next door to the bar. I I didn't own a car for a while because I was broke. But any other scenario, you basically need a car in Door County. So that that number, that $1,250 number, that's assuming that none of those variables enter the equation. But for pretty much anybody who are trying to get to come live here year round, all of those variables need to be taken into consideration. And the, I think, some of the reasons why why young families are so important is because they're going to be here longer, number one. And number two, they're going to send their kids through our educational system. And those kids are going to grow up and enter the workforce when they're, you know, 16 years old and, and start filling that out. One thing that you mentioned in your, in your article for the sustainability issue is that uh, something like 488 students have left the educational system in the last 20 years. So that's 488 less potential workers that we have to work in restaurants or other places in Door County. Yeah. And that's uh, just to clarify, that's not those aren't dropouts. That's the drop in the number of high school students in Door County's four mainland schools between 1998 and today. Right. So almost 500 fewer students in ninth through 12th grade. And why that matters is all of those like when I was in high school, I graduated from Gibraltar in 1997. And almost every high school student I knew worked at least 40 hours a week, most of them for their parents or for other restaurants in the area, maybe on a farm. And a lot of them worked much more, 60, 70, 80 hours a week is, was not uncommon for kids who just wanted to make as much cash as they could or whose parents just said, you're working, sorry about it. No, you can't play high school football. No, you can't play Babe Ruth baseball. You're going to be working. And a lot of us, if you talk to anybody who grew up here, you're going to find people saying, that they actually started working at 12, 13 years old or younger if their parents own the business. So that's 500 people otherwise in the workforce that are now just gone. Well, and and those 500 people are people who had housing because, you know, they lived in their parents' house. Exactly. Now, not only are we trying to recoup that number, but we have to supply housing for those people. It's 500 additional... That's 500 beds. Yeah. That's, I mean, that has not really been part of the discussions over time. And and maybe it doesn't need to be because, you know, what's the solution to that? Suddenly start popping out high schoolers? <laughs> By some miracle, we just suddenly get 500 more high schoolers. And it's not unique to Door County. Schools, uh, especially in rural areas all over Wisconsin, are grappling with declining enrollment. We're, we're not totally unique in that sense. 
but it's a part of the equation. It's why, because people are saying, well, how come it's so bad now? That's a big part of it because then you add to the fact that those high school kids, most of them come back and work at least their 19-year-old year, maybe their 20-year-old year, they come back from college and some of them stay here forever. So you're also losing those next two years of them in the workforce as well. So it's even greater number than that 500. And then on the flip side, it's harder and harder for high school kids who don't live here and college kids who don't live here to come up here and find housing. And those used to be supplementing the workforce. I used to, you know, and most people who grew up here will tell you, yeah, I had 10 or 15 summer kid friends that just were college kids or high school kids who came up here and stayed with their aunt or an uncle or the grandparents or their, their parents had summer cottages up here. And you're just seeing less and less of that because the demands on high school students, it's just if you're not doing a camp or or extracurriculars all summer, everyone's scared they're not going to get into college. So they're not available to just take 12 weeks up here and work. Right. They called themselves the Stradivarius Builders of Sturgeon Bay because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood and metalwork, anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen came down the lake from Pankin Island, worked their way along the north shore of Lake Michigan, and they came because of the whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2,000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries for just one harvest season. Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County, past, present, and future. To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash ourdoorcounty. So we've talked a little bit about what the what the issue is and and why affordable housing is important in Door County. But can you set the stage a little bit and tell us how we got to this point? Well, I think a lot of the factors that we just talked about with the those high school kids pulling out uh, or not not being available is one big part of how we got here. Another part is the changing tourism demographic and the rising land values and rising prices of homes have just made it more and more difficult for someone to rent something out at a cheap level. Now for like building new homes, construction costs are skyrocketing up 15 to 30 percent, depending on which builder you happen to talk to that day or how tariffs are affecting lumber or steel prices or whether or not there's a hurricane in Florida that that requires 10,000 new homes to be built down in Florida, which drives up demand, which drives up prices everywhere else or a forest fire in California that burns up the lumber supply. So there's there's so many factors that uh, start to, to collapse on us right now. And you have a hot economy, so everyone's charging more. And when you have a hot economy, you have builders who, and good for them, but they're going to go after the projects that have higher profit margins. You don't make as much profit building a low-income apartment complex or a $120,000 to $180,000 home as you do selling just a few $400,000 homes. I've talked to several builders, including the guy who built my house. And it just, the math just doesn't work to build affordably if you if you have the option to build other stuff. So actually, and knock on wood, I don't want the economy to collapse, but one thing that would probably help the, the housing market in Door County and help drive more affordable homes getting built would be a stagnated economy and a slowdown in building because you'd have builders motivated to just keep cash flow coming in. So they might 
start filling some of these other gaps if you didn't have such demand for the higher end homes. How does zoning play into this? Zoning's a big part. Like, obviously, as development grew in the county, um, and I'm glad you brought this up because as development boomed in the 80s, 90s, a lot more condos, a lot more McMansions getting built around the county, people started getting stricter with their zoning laws. Comprehensive plans came into vogue and smart growth plans, and people started requiring larger lot sizes, uh, put in zoning against some smaller homes, and trying to just limit people from just gobbling up every piece of land and building on it. But part of that, you you have larger lot sizes and you're going to have more expensive homes. Uh, you know, a, a home with one acre of land for $10,000 is a lot more expensive than a home with five acres of land. Um, then you have just the driving up costs of sewer and water availability. In Basically, there's only two areas of the county that have both sewer and water. City of Sturgeon Bay, Village of Sister Bay. And that's critical because that infrastructure allows you to build much more affordably because a septic and well on a home, that alone might cost anywhere from fifteen dollars to $25,000. So by having those, that city infrastructure, you can drive your cost of your home significantly down right off the bat with something that doesn't have anything to do with amenities, fixtures, size of home. So, well, and the other part of that too is uh, most of the houses that are on the market are not new homes. A lot of them were built in the 70s and 80s. So when you're looking for a new home, not only are you looking at prices in the $250,000 range for a lot of these old homes, but then on top of that, you have to factor in a new roof or a new sump pump or a new septic system. All of that has to go into... Or an HVAC system, which 40 years ago, a lot of these places just didn't even have that kind of thing. Right. So you've got these inflated prices on these older homes. And Aliyah Kidd and I have talked about this a couple of times on the podcast. We both got older homes and much of the uh, the last couple of years that we've been in them has been spent on fixing either things that have broken over time or were just done incorrectly 30 years ago. And, and that that becomes part of the the living expense. So it's not only just the price of the house, it's all of the different upkeep that you're going to have to do on it. Yeah. I mean, I came from that background. My grand, more my parents um, went bankrupt when I was just a few years old. They bought a house that hadn't been lived in in 60 years, had no plumbing. Uh, it had an outhouse out back. And we worked on that as we lived in it for, for years. In fact, still, parents still working on it. And when I was house hunting, a couple of years ago when I moved back up here, I first thought like, yes, I can I can be a handyman. I can buy a fixer-upper. I'm just going to get a good deal, put my stamp on this home. And I looked at so many, and there were very few that you'd even want to offer on under $250,000, even under $300,000. It was, we ended up going toward the high end of our, uh, what we wanted to spend on a house, mainly because we saw 30 other homes and there, there just wasn't a lot super appealing out there. And you might you might get something for 270 but you can immediately add up 50 grand that you're going to put into it so you might as well get something new and save yourself the time and anguish of being a young couple in a remodeling phase right so what are your thoughts on the the present and the future for this we we just had the housing study come out does that represent that we're at some sort of a tipping point for this do you think do you think we're going to see movement on this issue in the next couple of years well, I, I hope it does a couple of things. There is movement happening right now. This housing study and the attention paid to it has made people accelerate their efforts, uh, especially municipal leaders, accelerate their efforts to try and get land and possibly even give that land to some sort of housing trust or some sort of way to develop something affordable that can stay affordable, that wouldn't just be resold on the market in five years for a big markup. Liberty Grove is looking at 
freeing up some land for that. Town of Gibraltar is looking at making that part of their big idea in with the Redmond property that they've got an option on. The Village of Egg Harbor has a property that they think they, they could make available to some sort of apartment rental complex or potentially a seasonal rental thing. And the city of Sturgeon Bay is looking at that and the county of Door is. That wasn't happening years ago. People said, well, if we to do something affordable, you really need to get someone to donate the land. And everyone's just like, nope, not doing it. Now you have five different municipalities talking about it and others that are, well, five different ones having very serious discussions about it or even offering to do it. And then others having some sort of discussion. That's a big step. I think I think there's a degree that people put up their hands and say, oh, these are just people who should be better with their money or they should just save more or it's just millennials complaining and they should work like we did. But the reality is home prices are skyrocketing. Wages are not keeping pace with that. Not even close. Our minimum wage in Wisconsin is $7.25 an hour. The median household income numbers that I talked about earlier are almost double that. So that's somebody making double minimum wage, which most of us would think like, oh, that's a pretty good job if you maybe don't have like this crazy uh, good degree that you're putting to use and, and working on a top level job or something. But like double minimum wage doesn't even get you close to affordability on what's on the market in, in Door County. And I hope that also sends a message and it has to me as an employer at the Pulse of like, we really need to think about what we're what we're paying people and what we expect people to live on. And, you know, it all depends on what you can make as a business. And then like, I mean, you know, do you employ one fewer person and give everybody else a raise and hopefully they can afford a home? I mean, there's there's a lot of questions that go through your mind as you look at that. But business owners got to think about what em- what employees should be making. I mean, if minimum wage would have just kept up w- with inflation going back to, I think, the early 70s, minimum wage right now would be $15 an hour. So that's like the base level we should be looking at. The problem is so much of the nation's wealth funnels so much higher than it did in 1970. So it's not spread out. It's not even like spreading it from business owners to employers or to employees. It's about spreading it from massive corporations and a very small group of people to even the next rung of businesses so they can then spread it out. Like it's, it really is that all that money in this country is really concentrated. So I, I do think this is part of that. The bad side of trickle down is the effect of that is it's trickling down to affect small businesses in Door County who can't pay people enough to afford housing. So all of that being said, uh, it's really just the tip of the iceberg for this whole yeah. thing. I mean, we we laid out the study a little bit, talked some numbers, and started to think about some of the upcoming proposals to move things forward. But if you want to know more about this, if you want to really dig into not only everything that we've talked about today, but so much more, including a bunch of different proposals for how to move forward on this, Miles, where can people look? DoorCountyPulse.com or pick up the uh, this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse. There's some art by Ryan Miller on the cover. Inside, you're going to find one of the things I tried to do is get a bunch of different writers to just throw ideas at the wall. So, you know, for years, people have talked about some different solutions. I wanted them to investigate like, OK, tiny homes or shipping container homes. What is that viable? Would it what would have to happen for those to be allowed? So you'd have to make zoning changes or You'd have to get so many of them in one area to make them work work out, or maybe they don't work at all. But I wanted to put that on at the wall. So you got like Ashley Lusk wrote a little about the home sharing program that she's proposed. Uh, Mariah Good writes about the housing trust. Mariah Good being the, the chief zoning administrator in, or in Sturgeon Bay for the county. Jim Schusler wrote about some things from the Door County Economic Development Corporation in terms of how housing impacts the economy and economic growth. <laughs> Celeste Benchwell wrote about uh, tiny homes and campgrounds and 
that possibility for maybe impacting our um, seasonal housing shortage as, as well as some some dorm ideas. She looked at what they've done in Wisconsin Dells with dorms. And Jackson Power comes back to write some things about Airbnb is and vacation rentals are potentially driving up rents and home prices in the area, as well as like what are the zoning issues that are affecting home prices. So there's a wide range of ideas, many more than I even mentioned there. There's a lot of ideas still on my long list of articles to write that are also impacting housing. There's no magic bullet. I mean, even all the things we've read and investigated and the scores of people, honestly, that we talked to about this issue for this special report. And the one clear thing is not one thing's going to fix it. You're going to have to have a lot of these little small things. But those little small things, let's say you find a way to add 10 beds or 20 beds like Main Street Market has by building a new building in Egg Harbor. If each of the northern door towns had 10, just add 10 seasonal units. Like, oh, now you're getting to 80, 90 seasonal beds out there that starts to make a big dent in the shortfall. If you get that to 20 or if you get that to five affordable priced homes in each of those communities, you really do start making a dent without having to do it's The, the picture shouldn't be in people's heads that it's one big 80 unit complex. So. Right. Well, and, and just to kind of bookend on that, uh, if we go back again to bringing up young families, uh, you provide one affordable house, you're providing potentially for employment opportunities. Right. So, and, and that that's something that is, it, it's an investment for the long term because depending on the age of the children, I mean, you might not see those employees enter the workforce for a number of years, but once they do, you know, they've, you've created that and you've set the groundwork for people to bring up their grandchildren and to continue generationally bringing people back into Door County. That's that's how a lot of people got up here is is coming up here when they were children or growing up here, going away and coming back. So to continue to create that environment is is really the only way forward. And you're really bringing it full circle there because if we don't, like if there are some people who would just say, sure, let the market decide, let's just figure it out. Like if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. That's great, but if you actually like what Door County is, say goodbye to it. Because if we can't have people move up here and afford to live here, we are so isolated. These workers are not going to be driving here from an hour and a half away from Kiwani, Green Bay, Outagamie County to come up and work and serve us and be our plumbers and, and pave our roads and do all of the jobs that people are doing now that can't afford and or are just on the brink of not being able to afford houses. So... If we don't address it now, we're going to be in a much, much worse shape. Just like when a high school class did a report on this back 20 years ago and warned everybody that the population was of the county was aging rapidly and it was going to come back to bite us. Well, it's, it's coming back to bite all these employers right now. So if, if we want Door County to be what we love, we got to address it. Well, I'm looking forward to digging into the sustainability issue this weekend. Thank you so much, Miles, for chatting with me, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you, Andrew. As you can tell, I love talking about this one. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit doorcountypulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.